Section 25 of Fires and Firemen by John Kenlon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 24 Underwriters and Salvage Corps. Although not actually connected by organization with the fire department, at least in the United States and England, the Salvage Corps is nonetheless an important essential in the whole scheme, and as such demands some attention in a volume of this kind. The business of the firefighter is, as his name indicates, to fight fires. The saving of property and merchandise from the effects of water is the particular field of the salvage corps, and thus it is that separate organizations have been evolved for this express purpose. In New York this work is officially recognized and supported by all the insurance companies doing business in the city supreme executive control at fires being vested in the officer in charge of the firefighters. In fact, the salvage corps might not inaptly be compared with the medical and nursing branch of an army. A battle occurs, and obviously the combatants have no time to look after the wounded or to succor the dying. Their business is first and foremost the crumpling up and defeat of their antagonist, and until that is accomplished, all other considerations are relegated to the background. But humanity demands that the stricken shall be saved, if possible, and that suffering shall be alleviated. Hence the presence of a large staff of doctors and nurses, who otherwise have no connection with the events of the moment. They are distinct from the fighters, but admittedly necessary to them. Further, of course, they are under the supreme authority of the general commanding. Anything in the nature of divided control would be fatal alike to all concerned. This brief explanation is rendered necessary, since the functions and position of those operating in salvage corps is too little understood, and in fact their present status of a semi-independent entity is anomalous and not in the best interests of all parties. Now, who are the persons involved? Firstly, property owners themselves, who, whether insured or no, are at least presumed to desire as little destruction wrought to their goods as is possible, which can often be accomplished by covering up, wiping down, and pumping out. Secondly, the insurance companies, since with this assistance they may save the wastage of a complete loss, and at any rate realize a small proportion of the risks involved. Hence it is that a regularly paid corps of professional salvage men is maintained at the expense of these companies in some of the great towns of America and in London, those in the United States being generally known as fire patrols. The strength of the New York Corps consists of 38 officers and 190 men, divided into 10 patrols, the salvage wagons in service are of the usual type, carrying such apparatus as covers, door openers, axes, shovels, squeegees, and other equipment especially suitable to their needs. During the last year for which figures are available, 8,415 outbreaks were attended, the most calls in any one month being 802 in December. In that month, the duration or service amounted to 755 hours, while 3,531 covers were spread and 136 roof covers placed in position. 
Chicago maintains a corps of eight companies, consisting of seventy-one permanent and thirty-three auxiliary men, the work accomplished having due regard to the territory involved being efficient. Incidentally, annual reports are issued giving statistics anent the forces together with figures of the values they have protected, which of course is as it should be, and is only mentioned as a comparison with the extraordinary anachronistic condition of affairs in London. Here is the largest city in the world, with property values almost beyond estimate. It is asserted that the per capita loss is insignificant compared with that of American cities, but at the same time it would be imagined that salvage service would be carried out upon certain well-established lines. Yet, as a matter of fact, the London Salvage Corps, to give it its official title, is a purely private organization, equipped and supported by certain of those insurance companies underwriting fire risks. The word certain is used advisedly, since not all of those dealing in the local fire risks subscribe. Hence it is a purely private undertaking and as such responsible to no public body except in the same degree as a private individual. No annual report is published except to those directly concerned. The strength of the Corps in officers and men is not officially issued, and any statistics of property values, percentage of losses, etc., if tabulated at all, are certainly not forthcoming from this body, at present benignly commanded by Colonel Fox. Of the annual report, such as it is, the following excerpt from a letter speaks for itself. At the end of the year, a brief confidential statement is given out to the members, which statement is not illuminating in details. In other large English cities, salvage arrangements are altogether lacking, as is also the case in the smaller American centers of population. The reason for this is not far to seek. If the insurance companies have to pay the piper, they cannot be expected to establish in communities with minor property values organizations which, on the face of it, must be costly experiments. Hence, two clauses of objection may be framed upon the existing state of affairs, which cast no slur upon those intimately concerned, but are simply concomitants of an archaic system. Firstly, no matter how cordial the relationship existing between the fighting force and the salvage corps, and no matter how rigorously it is insisted that the chief is in supreme control at an outbreak, with the best intentions in the world, on occasion misunderstandings are bound to arise, which, if not hazardous, are at least unpleasant, unnecessary, and not in the best interests of discipline. There is always the natural tendency for the subordinate to resent taking orders from any other than his superior officer, and though the chief and his aides may be recognized by the non-combatant forces as in executive command, at a large fire neither the chief nor his staff can be everywhere, and orders have to be transmitted, which, to comply with the hard and fast etiquette of the situation, would be cumbersome and impossible. Therefore it would appear a common-sense policy to arrange some form of amalgamation. This should offer no insuperable difficulty, as some method of meeting the additional cost could be evolved in consultation with the insurance companies. Which introduces the second clause. 
as at present arranged the maintenance constitutes a severe tax upon those concerned and there is no doubt that better administration would result from the union in addition there is no reason why the individual property owner should not bear his share of the costs involved in the saving of his goods from unnecessary damage by water consequent upon fighting a fire of course it may be argued that if he is already insured he is paying twice but the adjustment of premiums under such circumstances would be a matter of no great moment certainly in new york and in america generally there is this to be said for the salvage corps namely that they are responsible bodies maintained by statute and thus under the supervision of recognized authorities in england however there appears to be a total absence of organized departmental control and the relationship existing between the london county council which supports the london fire brigade and the london salvage corps which is as much a private concern as william whiteley or john wanamaker is purely dependent upon the good will of the former in fact to go a step further it is hard to see what means could be adopted if the county council vetoed the presence of the salvage corps at fires of course such an occasion would never arise only in marshalling fire forces as in marshalling the array of an army nothing should be left to chance nothing should be haphazard and all contingencies should be foreguarded and since the general commands a fighting machine composed of combatants and civil units and the admiral a personnel a proportion of whom are either clerks or semi-laymen so should a fire-fighter and his non-combatant ally serve under one flag recognize one chief and be brothers in a common cause there is no good reason why this should not be accomplished and that till now it has not been consummated has been due largely to the apathy of those in responsible control any general consideration of the problems connected with fire insurance is quite beyond the scope of this volume at the same time however it may be of interest to quote certain comparative data and in addition the writer is happy to give prominence to the good work being accomplished by underwriters in the united states it is a common failure in america generally to condemn certain social factors as being responsible for this that or the other occurrence the acute observer will have noticed that under no circumstances is the individual unit ever responsible for the sequence of events come murder rapine pillage or earthquake it is always that inconsiderate somebody else corporate or incorporate who is to blame never under any circumstances has that wonderful individual unit been in error and the same might appositely be said of the press clever writers with brilliant pens overflowing with ink between eleven o'clock at night and two in the morning will with the utmost complaisance label corporations or persons in a genial way as rogues vagabonds or villains excepting always that their readers will take their remarks with that proverbial grain of salt which is necessary to a true appreciation of the journalistic cuisine unfortunately the average reader is stolid unsuspicious and indiscriminating he rarely sees beyond his nose he never reads between the lines and he is as a child in the complicated moves in the game of publicity and policy pursued by many which remarks may be accepted for what they are worth 
few acquainted with public life will honestly controvert them and for the rest their opinion is of equal value too though of far less weight than that of the writers mentioned thus it is that a compliment must be paid to the national board of fire underwriters which in the united states is doing a great deal toward the education of the general public in the matter of fire risks the following excerpt taken from the address of an officer of the northern assurance company of london is worthy of quotation the phenomenal growth of this country the united states of which all its citizens are proud has been accompanied by the creation of enormous commercial and manufacturing establishments great concentration of property values and congested areas in our large cities each containing hundreds of millions of dollars of values subject to destruction by fire this extraordinary commercial and manufacturing growth makes necessary a corresponding increase in credits to meet this need for larger credits the banks have been made larger and are being made larger all the time one of the most important and essential foundations of credit is fire insurance this is now so well understood that it is unnecessary to dilate upon it as the great growth in business requires a corresponding increase in credits which in turn makes necessary larger banking facilities so the concentration of values all over the country in individual businesses and in congested city centers makes it necessary that fire insurance companies should have large and increasing reserves and loss-paying abilities under a general system of state-made rates fire insurance companies would undoubtedly find themselves unable to build up large reserves and there would be no inducement to make them large by capitalization the welfare of the country requires that fire insurance companies should have the opportunity to create large reserves with which to meet large conflagration losses such as have several times occurred and must be expected to occur again inability to meet such crises would cause serious and perhaps dangerous panics the average underwriting profit made by all the companies has been paltry as will hereafter appear and furnishes no justification for state rating board laws on the ground of excessive profits the smallness of the average underwriting profit shows that the dividends to stockholders have been paid from interest and dividends from investments and also that reserves have been augmented from the same sources it is therefore apparent that excessive rates have not been charged and the proceeds distributed to stockholders the above may be an ex part statement but on the face of it it contains a thorough realization of the condition of the fire risks in america time and again it is insisted by the underwriters that it is the conflagration hazard which renders any approach to systematic or scientific underwriting practically impossible if as in vienna it were feasible to confine every fire to the building in which it originated which can obviously be accomplished when houses are constructed upon a detached system then the problem would be simplified if as in germany a man having a fire on his premises is held guilty of misdemeanor until he proves that its inception was beyond his control or if as is operative in france a man having a fire extending beyond his own premises were held financially responsible then again the problem would be simplified 
but probably the sanest and most hopeful method of combating the huge fire losses in the united states is by the gradual instruction of the masses to a proper realization of fire control and what it means to this end the national board of fire underwriters has most distinctly added its quota of assistance by the publication of useful brochures and by the issuance of bulletins apropos to certain occasions when fires most commonly occur such as christmas day with its christmas trees and candles and independence day july fourth with its indiscriminate use of fireworks no one however partisan can deny that this is useful work and of the greatest public benefit annually the fire loss in the united states may be roughly assessed at two hundred fifty million dollars or fifty nine million nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine pounds sterling this is naturally only a broad estimate for to be irritatingly accurate the estimated loss for nineteen eleven was two hundred seventeen million dollars though in nineteen o six it was over five hundred million dollars the latter figure to be sure due to the san francisco disaster but taking even two hundred million dollars as the annual wastage it would be profoundly interesting to know how much of that colossal total was due to the carelessness of the individual it is beyond the ken of man how to arrive at such figures but the writer can testify from personal experience and has emphasized again and again in the preceding pages that the human element plays a preponderating part in providing work for the firefighter. There is always something fascinating in picturing in the mind's eye all the wonderful things which might be were such and such a factor eliminated from the social fabric. The pacifist who dreams of disarmament and international peace is wont to enlarge upon what the reduction of the army and navy estimates would mean to the masses, a secretary of the treasury or chancellor of the exchequer with a hundred million dollars unallocated to any particular purpose in these dreary days is as rare as the dodo in fact he is non-existent but supposing such amazing bouleversement of conditions did occur it is only possible to surmise how that money might be spent for the good of the community it appears on the face of it so fantastic so irrelevant to the issues of the moment and so far removed from practical politics and yet implant in the individual the fundamental features of the dangers of fire and of the easiness of those ordinary precautions which in themselves are simple to the verge of puerility but in the aggregate count for so much then there might be a reasonable chance of the materialization of that seemingly far-fetched dream hence all means to that end are to be encouraged and the work being accomplished by the national board of underwriters is deserving of more than passing praise on that score for that there is need of some guidance can be gleaned from the following figures which making every allowance for climatic extremes a fruitful source of fires and constructive encouragement to the flames in the shape of the employment of wood as a building material still evidence a remarkable gulf between fire risks in europe and the united states thus whereas the per capita loss in the united states for the year nineteen eleven was two dollars sixty two cents for england it averaged only fifty three cents for france eighty one cents for germany twenty one cents and for russia only eight cents 
These figures are not absolutely conclusive, since they are based upon the reports sent in from centers of population, and no account can well be taken of the country in sparsely populated districts. But as regards the United States, it may be remarked that the 298 cities upon which that average is framed represent a population of 31 million people, among whom there is fire protection. In no foreign city does the per capita loss approach $5, one pound, though, excluding conflagrations, 32 cities in the United States surpass that figure. The highest fire loss in England, curiously enough, was in the ancient city of York, which, with a population of only 82,000, shows a per capita loss of $2.73, 11 shillings, which compares unfavorably with the town of Yonkers, near New York, with the same population, and a per capita loss of $1.73. For London, the per capita loss was 54 cents, based upon a population of seven and a quarter million people, which evidently included its suburbs and not the county proper. The per capita loss in Paris was 60 cents, for Hamburg only 18 cents, for St. Petersburg 93 cents, for Moscow $1.46 cents, exemplifying excellently the rise in loss occasioned by extremes of climate and wooden buildings, while the city of Vancouver heads the list with $2.61. These are statistics which cannot fail to provide food for the thoughtful, for fire wastage is a literal translation of the phrase commonly used to emphasize the extravagance of the individual, burning money. Finding money for the provision of armaments which may never be used is often decried as hideous waste, though there is something tangible to show for the expenditure. What then can be said in defense of a loss to every man, woman, and child in the United States of over two dollars per annum, with a visible result only of charred ruins and possible suffering? End of section 25 Recording by Maria Casper